0: BSN listeners, really excited to tell you guys about some game-changing coffee. It's Strava Craft Coffee, the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so make sure you check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is also rich and tasty, and we could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast. Hope everybody had a good weekend. Harrison Wind here on a Tuesday evening. We are presented today by the Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I think I need a visit to the Green Solution after that NBA awards show last night. Man, that was a tough watch. I do have some thoughts on that, which I'll get to later in the show. Luggets were represented pretty well at the awards show. Tim Connolly taking home second place in executive of the year. Mike Malone finishing third, somehow not ahead of Doc Rivers in the coach of the year voting I get the argument for Mike Budenholzer. I don't get the argument for Doc Rivers over Michael Malone. Still, he was there. He was on the ballot. It's a good step for the Nuggets. Malik Beasley, Monte Morris got some love in the sixth man and most improved player of the year voting. And of course, the big one, the final award of the evening, the one we had to wait through two and a half hours of really bad jokes for, the MVP award, Nicole Jokic places fourth. So That was really cool for the Nuggets. That was really cool for Jokic. I was wondering if he was going to get fourth or fifth. I think I've said I thought he was going to get fourth on this podcast before because just pulling some of the voters throughout the year, especially into the final couple weeks of the season when most were submitting their ballots, a lot of people were putting Jokic fourth. So I thought he had a good shot. So cool to see him get fourth. And I think real quickly, I'll expand on my thoughts on the award show in a little, but I think this probably sets Jokic up as a legit candidate for the MVP award in 2019-2020, the fact that he finished fourth here and really his year registered with the voters out there, some of which I can't believe have an actual vote. I mean, how does Marv Albert have a freaking vote in this thing? (laughs) Anyways, I'll get to that in a little. I wanted to start on the topic of bull bull. Talk about the pick a little more now that we've had a weekend to digest it. I spoke with his college coach, Dana Altman, Tuesday morning. I have an article up about that chat, what it was like for Altman to coach Bull Bull last year. The question marks about his attitude and work ethic. I'll get into that in a little as well. I want to start here with a question from Mario. Mario writes in, and if you guys do have questions for the show, wind at bsndenver.com wind at bsndenver.com. I have some unfortunate news for Chris, for Ranchman, for Corey, for anyone else that's been calling into the Total Beverage Fan Hotline over the course of the season. The Total Beverage Fan Hotline is no more. Something that's out of my control. I know some of you will miss it, but send me an email, wind at bsndenver.com, and I'm going to try to think of another way that you guys can get questions in here uh, if that's calling in or, or writing in or whatnot. So apologies there, but that's just the way things go sometimes. Something that's out of my control. Let's go to this question from Mario because he's asking about Bowl Bowl. He's also asking about free agency a little bit. So I'll talk about that. And over the course of this week, with free agency starting in just a couple days, June 30th, I, I believe, 6 o'clock Eastern, that's when. Free agents can technically start negotiating with new teams, although uh, we know that most of those deals are already hashed out by now. I mean, just look at Al Horford, case in point. Uh, so I'll really preview free agency over the course of the rest of the week, but Mario also touched on it in his question. He writes in Hi, Harrison. Interesting pick of Bull Bull in the second round by the Nuggets. At least they carried Bull's pick live on ESPN when Jokic was picked five years ago. ESPN was running a Taco Bell commercial at the time. What do I think of the pick? It's a low-risk pick with the potential of paying off with a very unique player who can add a lot to the Nuggets in the future. I'm okay with it. I loved watching bowl play, so I'm sure I'm going to enjoy watching Bowl Bowl with the bonus of him being on the Nuggets. I do have to say I'm surprised the Nuggets didn't pick a small forward type of player In the second round, there were quite a few available. My favorite was Admiral Schofield, who was taken at 42 by Washington. I think Schofield will be a solid player in the NBA. Excellent three-point shooter. I like Schofield too a little bit. What it tells me is that the Nuggets must be counting on MPJ to be part of their rotation next season, and they are very pleased with his progress. Maybe there's a slim chance the Nuggets make a splash in free agency for a wing player, but now it's looking less and less likely that's going to happen. I would agree with that. Here's my question to you. Don't you think the Nuggets need to make some type of consolation trade? Running it back means the Nuggets are going to have duplication on their roster with Harris, Beasley, Barton, and Craig all playing similar positions. And adding MPJ to the mix will make it even harder to spread the minutes to all these players. Thanks, Mario, for the question. What I would say to what you got to at the end there, with Harris, Barton, Beasley, and Craig all playing similar positions, it worked last season. It worked last season, and I know there were a lot of injuries, but that's what Denver had last season, and they still got 54 wins out of the thing. So I think they're good heading into the season with the guys they've got. I don't necessarily think Denver's assuming Michael Porter Jr. is going to get a rotation spot next year, and Mario kind of brought it up there that maybe adding MPJ to the mix just means there's too many mouths to feed there. I don't think it's a sure thing that he's in the rotation next year. I don't think it's a sure thing that Jared Vanderbilt's in the rotation next year. If I had to wager one way or another, I'd say both those guys are not in the rotation on a full-time basis next year. Now, I think Michael Porter Jr. could look great at Summer League. I was just talking about this with a couple other media members this evening before I started recording this pod. He is so strong. He's been on an NBA weight program for a year now. He's just going to be able to overpower guys at Summer League, I think. I don't think he's going to have the flow and the rhythm and the cadence that some of these college guys will have who are just coming off of the season and have been you know, just in the gym over these last couple months, even though Porter has. But it's been over i think 15 months since Porter has last played a game most of these college guys are coming off a full season so he might not have the rhythm that some of the top picks have that he'll be going against but he's going to be so much stronger than everybody else i mean Michael Porter Jr is built so i think just his strength will really help him have a positive showing at summer league and if he looks great at summer league i think that could really help his momentum heading into next season and give him a better chance of capturing a rotation spot. But I don't think Denver is looking at him as a sure thing to come off the bench, to start, to even be a part of their opening night rotation. I think they're going to play it by ear. If he is, great. You know Maybe they'll sit Craig down more. Maybe they'll decrease Barton's minutes a little bit. I don't think playing 10 guys in the regular season is a bad thing at all. You can spell Millsap and Jokic more that way too. So if Porter is a part of the rotation at the beginning of next year, great. I don't think the Nuggets are really counting on that. So I guess to kind of get to the point here, I don't think they really need to make a consolidation trade. They're going to have probably the same rotation as next season. The chances of them making a big splash I think are zero to none. I think it's going to be pretty much the same team back next year. I think they still have a couple holes they need to fill, though, in for agency. One is on the interior. I think they need another big man. They probably need another point guard. Maybe Brandon Goodwin's that guy. Maybe Thomas Welsh is that big man. I don't think he's probably ready for that role. But if Denver doesn't want to go out and spend money on a free agent. They could probably up Welsh onto a full-time deal. I don't know if I'd be a huge fan of that. I think I'd rather them go out and get somebody. But I do think they need another big man. They probably need another ball handler. And Vlatko Chanchar I think, is probably going to be the guy who they add on the wing. So I think this roster, like I've been telling you guys all summer, is going to look the same. And to the point about Bull Bull taking him in the second round, I think I was telling you guys on this podcast leading up to the draft that Denver was only going to acquire a pick if they really liked somebody that was falling. And I think if Bull Bull had been taken, I'm not sure Denver even trades into the draft in the first place. I don't think they really felt it was necessary to get into this draft and to make a pick. I think they were only going to get into this thing if somebody fell that they really liked. And they had Bol Bol as a lottery pick on their draft board. That's what I was told. I heard Jonathan Gavoni on Zach Lowe's podcast say they had him as a top ten pick on their board. I didn't hear that. I just heard that he was a lottery pick uh, on their board. So the fact that he fell, that's a guy Denver really liked in the pre-draft process, and they were aggressive in going to trade up for him. So my read on that is they didn't like anybody else in the draft enough in the second round to relinquish a future second round pick, which they did in this trade to get Bol Bol, or relinquish 1.2 million in cash, which they did to go get Bol Bol. And I think they also picked him as a long-term play. I mean, Admiral Schofield, that's a guy who can you know, step in and be in your rotation next season. And I mean, Denver has their two two-way spots occupied right now with Thomas Walsh and Brandon Goodwin. That can change. They can elevate one of those guys to a full-time contract, so that's definitely a fluid situation. But you know, you don't know what the deal is with these second round picks. A lot of times, guys will refuse to get taken in the second round. I've heard this has happened before, has happened many times. I think this happened with Fred Van Vliet, but guys will get calls that teams are interested in taking them in the second round, but the caveat is These teams want to put these guys on two-way deals, stick them in the G League for the whole season. And maybe that's not something Admiral Schofield wanted to do. I know that's not what Fred Van Vliet wanted to do, and he told teams that, and that's a reason why he went undrafted. He bet on himself. Obviously, that worked out for him. But some of these guys in the second round, if teams call them up and say, hey, if we pick you in the second round and put you on a two-way deal, and you spend most of the year in the G League, is that something you're cool with? Some guys will say yes, some guys will say no. So you don't really know that stuff for sure. Uh, A lot of times when you're on the outside, a lot of that information is kept internally. So that could have been the case with some other guys in the second round. I don't know. But my read on Bull is just, he was just too big of a talent for Denver to pass up. And I bet he gets a deal kind of like Jared Vanderbilt did last year, who they also picked midway through the second round. All right, let's hit a break real quick. I've got some more thoughts on the Bull Bull pick, what his outlook might be for Summer League, and also I want to get to the NBA awards here at the end of the show. I do want to encourage you guys, though, if you're not signed up for a BSN Denver subscription, you're missing out. I've got an article up on my chat with Dana Altman Tuesday morning, University of Oregon head coach, about what it was like to chat with Bull Bull, what it was like to sit at the table in the green room with him as he was slipping in the second round. A lot of insightful and honest thoughts from Dana Altman there, which you can find on Denver.com. And if you're not subscribed, bsndenver.com backslash subscribe. Right now, you can get an annual subscription that only ends up costing you $3.33 a month. And with that, you also get a free t-shirt from the BSN Denver Locker. A lot of cool shirts on there. Nuggets, Rockies, Avalanche, Broncos shirts, of course, with a subscription. You also get access to our content, our daily content, in-depth, exclusive analysis, reporting from the Rockies, Broncos, and Avalanche. Also download the BSN Denver app on the iTunes store for Android as well. We also have that. Let's hit a break real quick. More bull bull talk on the other side we'll be right back
1: green mountain dental group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in lakewood for over 40 years whether it's cosmetic oral surgery or preventative dentistry at green mountain dental group you will find nothing but the best For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver.
0: Welcome back to the show. Harrison Wind here on a Tuesday. Of course, we're presented as always by The Green Solution. If you go to mygreensolution.com and use code BSN20, you can get 20% off your entire purchase. If you guys got questions for the show, wind at bsndenver.com. I'm sorry, but the Total Beverage Fan Hotline is no more, at least for now. That's what I've been told. Really sorry for you guys that have been religious callers to that thing. I can't tell you how much I appreciated hearing from you over the course of the season, but send me an email, wind.bsndenver.com. That's how we can communicate for now until we figure out something else. I've got some other thoughts on the bowl bowl pick now that we've had a few days to reflect on it. The draft was last week. And as these days have gone by, as I've thought about the pick, as I've been speaking to people about Bowl Bowl, chatting with his coach last year at Oregon, I'm loving the pick more and more. I love this pick. I think Denver hit an absolute home run with him. And, and we know this is a low risk, high reward pick. He was the 44th overall pick for crying out loud. If your 44th overall pick plays one minute in the NBA, that's like a success. If your 44th overall pick is a good G League player, that's a smashing success. So there's very low risk with this pick. The Nuggets didn't give up much to get him a future second rounder, but I can guarantee you whoever they would have taken in the second round in 2022 or 2024, whatever that pick is, isn't going to have the upside and isn't going to have the ceiling and potential that Bowl Bowl does because... This guy has a ceiling that is extremely high. Watching a lot of his film over the weekend, I mean, his skill set jumps off the chart. This guy runs like a freaking gazelle. I compare him to Kristaps Porzingis. You know, that's probably like his ceiling. Might even have a higher ceiling. He runs with the rhythm that Porzingis does, not quite with the fluidity that he does. He doesn't have the same rhythm. He's a little choppier then poor Zingas. but I think it's an apt comparison. They have kind of similar games, but I mean, when this guy was on the floor at Oregon, he was an absolute beast. He averaged 21 points, shot 56% from the field, shot 52% from three on nearly three three-point attempts per game. That's a lot for college. 76% from the line, 9.6 rebounds per game, 2.7 blocks per game. Of course, he only did it over nine games. The competition in those nine games, you know, Oregon was playing; their out of conference schedule. wasn't that great, but he played a couple quality opponents. Houston, twenty three and seven, he put on them. Syracuse, twenty six and nine, he put on them. Iowa, fourteen and seven, Oregon lost that game. So the competition wasn't great, but I mean, you can just see the talent from watching the film. Really against any type of caliber team. Remember Thon Maker? Remember the YouTube? Mixtape highlights a Thon Maker. It seems like Bull Bull is what Thon Maker was supposed to be. Well, anyways, like he handles the ball like a guard, kind of. He shoots the ball like a guard. He should be a deterrent at the rim. Now, he's also got his fallbacks for sure, and a lot of the fallbacks and negatives are reasons he slipped in the draft. Uh, the foot injury, obviously, whenever a big man has a foot injury, it's not good. That's what dropped him partially. He's also. A really bad defender defending in space. Can't really move laterally that well. He's going to also have a really tough time defending his position, at least right when he gets into the league. I mean, his hips are so skinny. I don't really see how he's going to set screens right now. He's just got a really thin frame. And also, there are some off-the-court issues. I asked Dana Altman about those, and I'll get to them in a minute. But I think a big reason why he did drop in the draft is just because of his frame and how much weight he needs to add and the foot injury as well. The the -the off-the-court questions also dropped him as well, but I think there's reason to believe you shouldn't be as concerned about those as some are making him out to be. But going back to what I was saying about his frame and how he needs to put on weight, this is why I feel like he shouldn't play next season. It's also why I feel like he shouldn't play In summer league. And if I had to speculate, the Nuggets haven't announced anything as of this recording. They probably won't announce anything until they put the roster out, the summer league roster. But I wouldn't anticipate Bull Bull playing at summer league. This is the guy who played his last college game on December 12th. That's when he went down for the year. That was his last college game. That was his ninth game at Oregon, his freshman season. So he just hasn't been exposed to that live five-on-five environment with another team, with refs. He just hasn't played in that environment. And I don't think you want to throw him out there at Summer League with a lot of guys trying to make a name for themselves and really just risk something. I don't think that would be smart. And if I just had to speculate, again, this is just me speculating, I think that's going to be the Nuggets line of thinking as well. They got a lot of guys, Denver does, looking to have positive Summer Leagues from Porter to Jared Vanderbilt to Vlako Chanchar to a couple of the guys they've signed who were undrafted or overseas. Uh, so I just think it'd be the smart decision to hold him out. And I think he really needs to spend the whole year just building up his body. Look at Michael Porter Jr.'s body now compared to when he was drafted. That's what a guy can look like when he's been on an NBA weight program for just 12 months. And Porter wasn't probably even a full go you know, over the first part of when Denver had him in their building. Obviously, over the summer into the fall, he definitely wasn't a full go for everything. So That's what a full year in an NBA weight training program can do. I really think that's what the Nuggets need to do with Bull Bull. Sit him out for the entire year. Just let him get stronger. Let him build up his body. And Obviously, he's not going to look like Michael Porter looks like right now this time next year, but he can look a hell of a lot stronger than he does. He can get a lot stronger than he is right now. I think that'd be the smart decision for Denver to make. So I wouldn't anticipate him playing at Summer League. I don't think he should. I just think he should be around Denver for a year, help build up his body. I hope he's okay with that. He's a guy like Porter, who's been a really highly regarded prospect, a blue chip prospect, McDonald's our american consensus, I think, top four recruit In his class, one of the best players on the Nike EYBL circuit in high school. Adam Maris, friend of the show over at Denver Stiffs, told me tonight that Bobo was like best friends with Shaquille O'Neal's son, Sharif, and that he's just been around that type of environment. He like grew up in Shaq's house. So he's kind of been in a high profile situation all the way through high school and obviously into his freshman season at Oregon. Bobo has more Instagram followers than the entire Nuggets starting lineup combined. I think way more than the entire Nuggets starting lineup combined. So he's got high-profile guy. I hope for his sake Denver can get the message through to him that the best thing for him is probably to sit out the year, maybe get some G League experience, but really just take it slow and build up his body. Because a Denver doesn't need him this year. I think they made the pick not thinking they're going to need him this year, and also B, because he really needs it. I mean, he is freaking skinny. He's got so much natural skill, so much natural talent. He can shoot the ball like a guard. He can handle it. He can move really fluid for a guy that's 7'2 with a 7'8 wingspan, but he could really use a year, I personally think, just building up his body on an NBA weight program. So I'll be interested to see how Denver takes this thing that's the direction I think they'll go, if I just had to guess. So we'll see what happens with him. Now, the off-the-court reported issues, I think, were another reason that he fell. On ESPN, Mike Schmitz and Jonathan Gavoni, their two draft guys there, wrote in a scouting report about Bol Bol that he's had questions about his work ethic and love for the game and approach and practice and games. And I've heard that echoed by a couple different people out there. I asked Dana Altman, his coach, about that on Tuesday morning. And what he pretty much said is that stuff originated around Bow Bull high school career. He bounced between a bunch of different high schools all over the country. Some on the East Coast, he played at Matter Day in California, the powerhouse there. He ended up graduating from Finley Prep, another powerhouse in Henderson, Nevada, I believe, where a lot of high profile guys go. I think Tristan Thompson, Corey Joseph both went there. And I think there were some questions about, okay, is he transferring because he's not getting playing time? Does he not like the coach? I've read some stuff like that and just some profiles of him that have been written over the last couple of years. So I think all that stuff stemmed from high school. And what Dane Altman told me was he never signed any of that at Oregon. He was a guy who came into the gym every day, practiced hard, played hard in games. And Dan Altman pretty much told me that you don't get 21 and 10. You don't average 21 and 10, which is what he averaged across those nine games without practicing and playing hard. Now, I don't think Dan Altman would have come out and just told me, yeah, this guy has a terrible work ethic. He doesn't try hard in practice if that really was the case. But I did think it was notable how he said a lot of that reporting probably came from his high school days. So maybe Bull Bull's grown up. Maybe the year at Oregon helped him grow up if that stuff really was an issue in high school. And I would encourage you guys to get on bsndenver.com and read my article about my chat with Dan Altman because there's some really interesting stuff in there. He was at Bull Bull's table in the green room on draft night, sitting just a few feet away from him. And he was right there, right by his side as 30 picks went through in the first round and he didn't hear his name called. A lot more went through in the second round before Denver scooped him up at 44 and he said Bol bol was hurt. He was frustrated, he was pissed off for sure, but he also told him before he went up and put on a Miami Heat hat which is who originally had the pick before he did his post draft interview that he's going to have to prove a lot of people wrong. So maybe this is something that kind of lights a fire under him. Maybe it's something that ignites him a little bit. Uh, But a lot of interesting thoughts from Dane Altman. I really enjoyed that chat with him. I think it paints a decent picture of what it was like to coach him last year, the natural skill he has. Dane Altman said he's obviously never coached a guy with this skill set before and there was a game, I think, that illustrates how unique of a player he is really well. Oregon played Syracuse, and I included some highlights of this in the story with Dana Altman, but Oregon just pretty much stuck him at the middle of Syracuse's zone. They got the ball to him, and it was pretty much just over from there. Bull has got really nice touch around the rim and from the mid range on those kind of push shots and floaters. He had a bunch of those from the foul line that game, a bunch of those from that area between the basket and the foul line. Got a ton of tips that game. If you're looking for a game that kind of illustrates how unique and rare his skill set is, I would go back and watch that Syracuse game or at least the highlights there. You can find those in that story on bsndenver.com. Before we move on, a quick word from StravaCraft Coffee. Always excited to tell you guys about some game changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped to decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. Coffee is rich and tasty, and we could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. Let me know what you guys think about Bull Bowl. Hit me up on email, wind at bsndenver.com. Personally, I love the pick. I've liked it more and more ever since the draft happened. I think it's a great pick by Denver. And I think it follows a similar pattern that the Nuggets displayed last draft when they took a chance on two other prospects who were going underdrafted because of injury issues and Michael Porter Jr. and Jared Vanderbilt. And look, Vanderbilt is 100% healthy now. He was 100% healthy during the season. And he flashed that skill set that had him as a McDonald's All-American, had him as a highly regarded recruit going to Kentucky. And we'll see what Porter looks like in summer league. But like I was saying a few minutes ago, I think Porter's going to have a great summer league just because he's so strong. He's going to be so much stronger. And he's going to be able to be so physical with these guys coming right out of college. The NBA awards were Monday night man, that was a tough watch. That was a tough watch. We had to wait till the end to see the freaking coach of the year too. Like, Could the NBA not have gotten that one out of the way a little earlier? But the NBA has got to change this thing. A, they've got to get Drake hosting again. Because I don't know if you guys watched this thing two years ago. I think it was the first edition of them. (laughs) Drake was actually pretty funny. I did not think Shaq was funny at all last night. So either get... Drake to be your host every year, or just do away with these awards entirely. Nobody needs them. I miss when these things were rolled out during the playoffs. Why? Because you could actually have some time to digest each award, right? Six man of the year gets rolled out one week. We talk about that for a week. MVP gets rolled out the next week. We talk about that for a week. Then coach of the year, we talk about that for a week. Now they all get rolled out at the same time, It's like we don't even talk about some of these awards. We don't even talk about sixth man of the year or most improved player, you know, just because we're just flooded with them at once. So I think if they went back to the old format, it'd be so much better. It was pretty cool too. Like Kevin Durant going up and accepting that MVP trophy with all his teammates behind him. Then he can go out and play a game in front of his home crowd right after getting the award. That was such a cool moment. I know Giannis had a really cool speech last night, but what if he could have made that same speech with his teammates there behind him and then gone out and got a standing ovation on his home court later that night or the next night? That would have been even cooler. So I miss the old setup. I miss the slow rollout of these awards. They happen so fast all in one night. We don't even give each award their proper due. And The NBA offseason is way too compact, I think. I mean, just thinking back to the finals, we did not even really digest what happened in the finals well enough. We did not give the Raptors their due for winning a championship because right after they won that thing, all right, let's have the parade. Now we got the draft. Now we got this stupid award show. Hey, we've got free agency in like three days. You know, So I think A, the NBA calendar it's backwards in a way. Free agency should be before the draft. We did not get enough time to talk about the Raptors winning the finals and really give Toronto their due there. But from a Nuggets perspective, I felt like the award show was a success. I know they didn't bring home any hardware, but Tim Connolly got second in the executive of the year voting. And if you look at the voting breakdown, he barely missed out on this thing. He got nine first place votes to John Horse ten he got eight second-place votes to John Horse's five, and he didn't get any third-place votes. John Horse got seven, and that was the reason John Horse and Milwaukee won, and this thing was a clean sweep in the executive of the year, the coach of the year, and the MVP for Milwaukee, just because John Horse got seven third-place votes and Connolly didn't get any. So, weird voting breakdown, but I think, Tim Connolly, you could make a case that He should have won this award. I mean, you look at the moves he made last summer and throughout the season that really hit elevating Monte Morris and Torrey Craig to full NBA contracts after they were both on two ways last season. Both those guys were integral pieces. Really building and keeping a strong bench in Denver that was just absolutely vital when the Nuggets were hit with all those injuries this season. Some executives I don't think would have put that much stock into building a strong bench like Tim did so I think he deserves credit there. Obviously retaining Mike Malone even though I don't think that was really something that was up in the air that much, but I can guarantee you there are organizations out there and front offices out there that would have fired their coach after missing the playoffs for 3 years in a row, no matter the fact that they missed it by one game or a tiebreaker. I guarantee you there are front offices out there that would have fired their coach if if they missed the playoffs for three years in a row in the Western Conference. So I think he deserves credit there. Also signing Jokic to a five-year deal instead of a four-year deal. I know it was obvious he was going to get the max, but to get that extra year on there, I think that's big. And finally, like this award should really be the culmination of what an executive has done over the last couple of seasons because... Some of these things, it's really impossible to measure in one year. And uh, definitely with the continuity and the patience that this front office has shown, they've really shown it over the last couple of years, not just this year. General Manager Arturis Karnasovis also deserves credit in this award. He's been instrumental uh, to building this roster as well over the last few seasons. And going just down this award list. Michael Malone gets third in coach of the year voting. I thought he was going to get second. I would have voted him first just with the injuries. I mean, Mike Boonehoser had the MVP. It wasn't exactly rocket science to know how to surround him with shooters. And he was coming in after arguably the worst coach in the league. No, scratch that. The worst coach in the league, Jason Kidd. So not a very high bar set there. But I think just with the injuries and how nobody had Denver finishing second in the West. I mean, come on. I think Michael Malone deserved that Coach of the Year award. And I already spoke about Jokic's MVP. I think that probably sets him up to be a legit candidate next year. And also, Monte Morris and Malik Beasley got some recognition in the Sixth Man of the Year voting and in the Most Improved Player voting. Morris finished ninth in Sixth Man of the Year voting. Three third place votes. Beasley also got a third place vote in that. And Beasley also finished tied for 12th in the most improved player voting with three third place votes. What this night told me about the Nuggets, and I wrote about this on bsndenver.com as well, is that Denver is set up for continued success, right? Those two guys I just mentioned, Monte Morris and Malik Beasley. Under contract next year, I think Denver will look to re-sign Malik Beasley, make sure he's here for a while if they can. Obviously, Monte Morris is signed for the next couple of years. Michael Malone, I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. Jokic obviously signed for the next four years. He's not going anywhere. And Tim Connolly made it known that he wants to be here long-term when he turned down the chance to run the Wizards earlier this summer. So, all the pieces that make this thing run are going to be here long term, most likely. And I think just how the Nuggets were represented at the award show, even if they didn't win any awards, it just shows that they're set up for continued success. And that's not breaking news. You guys know from listening to this podcast, I've been preaching that. And I think the Nuggets' continuity and patience has helped set them up for the continued success that I'm talking about. But that was my big takeaway from the NBA awards show. One. It was a really tough watch, and I don't know if the NBA can stand to put this thing on, if it's going to be executed like it was Monday night for another year. But B, from a Nuggets perspective, I think they're set up for continued success, and they were represented pretty well on the evening, even though they didn't take home any hardware. That's what I've got on that. Kind of a short show tonight, but just want to get some thoughts out on Bol Bol, his prospects for summer league, and what I would do with him this next season in his rookie year, and also some thoughts and feelings on the NBA awards show Monday night. Let me know what you guys think. Wind at bsnDenver.com. Hit me up with a question, comment, take on there, and I'll read it on the show. I'll be back with another episode on Wednesday, most likely talking free agency. Talk to you guys then.